Brandon, and you are listening to episode two of Rutabaga from my little makeshift studio in Shanghai, China. This episode is going to take a little trip to South Korea to visit a fellow Alabamian, Linus Kim, who made his mark on the Seoul Korea food scene by launching a couple of Alabama-style barbecue restaurants there. And that's a venture I thought was pretty ballsy since Korea is already famous for its barbecue, and you can find a barbecue restaurant on just about every corner. And Linus is going to talk to us about doing business with gangsters in South Korea. Kind of kidding there. Maybe you'll find out when you listen. And um, his childhood love affair with barbecue in Alabama and what makes Alabama barbecue special and different from barbecue in other parts of the U.S. And he's going to tell us a few little interesting facts about the wig industry in the U.S., things that I certainly didn't know before. And you probably don't either. And a little side note about my interview with Linus is that um, I didn't really plan. It was not my intention to have an interview with a guy from my hometown and from my home state. In the end, I think it's kind of appropriate because, you know, that's where I started my journey. Obviously, even though growing up in Alabama, I had no idea that I was going to be living most of my adult life and working most of my adult life in foreign countries. I thought it was really cool that the first full episode is with a fellow Alabamian. And even though I don't know Linus as well as I know most of the guests on Rutabaga, to borrow his word, it was a very Pangawayo moment. And that means nice to meet you in Korean. And as you're going to hear Linus use it later in his interview, he uses it kind of like a, an English adjective. So anyway, it was Pangawayo to meet Linus because... Um, I never imagined that I would end up spending most of my adult life in foreign countries working a bunch of crazy different jobs. And that's kind of the same thing he's ended up doing. So even though we don't know each other that well, there is this connection on a certain level. And I think that makes him a really excellent first guest on Rutabaga. And by the way, I'm trying to get this episode out before I have to go on the road to work for six days, traveling around China in remote cities. And I've had a few glasses of wine, so I have no idea if this little monologue is going to work. But I'm going to stick it in there, and this episode's going up tonight. Right before leaving South Korea to pursue a music career, I heard about a guy from Alabama who was doing some Alabama-style barbecue pop-up shops in Seoul. And I never actually got around to one of the pop-ups, but just weeks before leaving, I think, I got invited to the soft opening of his brick and, his first brick-and-mortar space. In fact, I think it was a mutual buddy of Linus's and mine, uh, Mike Sawyer, who invited me, uh, another fellow Alabamian. So thanks, Mike. Shout out to you for that. So we popped in one Saturday to his restaurant, to, to the opening, and I was just like really amazed because I was sitting down drinking sweet iced tea like my mom used to make and you know eating macaroni and cheese and fried okra and slow-cooked barbecue pork. And so it was just really my first time probably to experience that kind of home comfort food outside of the U.S. And so I just met Linus for a few minutes that day and ended up becoming friends on social media, but not really getting to know him or anything. Fast forward a few years, and when I had 
no more music career, a job I didn't like in Hong Kong, and a little podcast idea. And I remembered Linus, and I just thought, well, I think Linus would be fun to interview for a podcast. So I got in touch with Linus, and he agreed, and this little episode was born. Back over to Linus. Your phone number, please. Uh, okay, my phone number in Hong Kong is 852 Why are people going to want to try some other different kind yeah, of Yeah, I had the same, uh, same worries myself, <laughs> if people would get it or if they'd like it at all. Yeah, so, well, yeah. that's what I want to talk to you about, just your whole life, your whole experience and, you know, why you, why you did it and, you know, how it's been going for you and, like, mm-hmm. plans and stuff like that. So one thing I didn't know was that until just today, mm-hmm. I, where did I read it, but that you're from Birmingham. I knew, yeah. I knew you were from Alabama, mm-hmm. but I had no idea we were the same hometown. I went to high school in Alabama, in Birmingham. Whoa, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> right. where did you grow up in Birmingham? I, I grew up in uh, area where 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 uh, in Irondale. All right, okay. In the Irondale-ish area. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Okay, right on. Yeah. Are your parents Korean? Yes, both my parents are, um, you know, Korean American uh, Koreans from South Korea. They were, uh, they were all both from Seoul. Okay. And they immigrated to the states back in the late '60s, early '70s. How yeah. the heck you know, they end up in Alabama? Because uh, you oh, know, that's... not that many immigrants uh, from from Asia end up there. Yeah, that's it, it's uh, that's kind of true. Um, they found an opportunity uh, to move to Birmingham. Actually, it wasn't in Birmingham; it was outside of Birmingham, Bessemer. And yeah. uh, my uncle had moved out there uh, maybe a little earlier and started a wig business. And this is really weird about like Korean American families in the in the late '60s, early '70s. A lot of them were in the wig business. And it's kind of true of a lot of minority ethnicities that move to the States. They kind of do one thing and they yep. just kind of dominate that industry. I got you. Well, yeah. Koreans, they, they dominated the, the wig and hair business in, you know, in the late 60s, 70s. And I, and I didn't, it was really weird, but like it wasn't until way later in life I asked my dad, like why were so many people in that business? Were they just all copycats? Like one guy did it and yeah. then everybody yeah. followed? Well, a little bit of that, but at the time, I guess Korea was still such an, you know, economically depressed yep. place that it, it's always like poorer countries that like human hair, it tends to be the source of human hair. Now, like Korea uh. tended to, they started off in that business and they kind of dominated maybe the, the world in that kind of, in that part of the industry. Now, I think a lot of the human hair comes from India now. Okay. So I had like no now idea. the yeah. Indians are the big players in, yeah. in the world for, for that industry as well. You would never think about. So are you an heir to a massive wig, wig fart <laughs> dynasty? I think, uh, fortunately for me, I'm, I'm kind of not. Well, I guess I could be, but like my, my father has, uh, you know, started that business. He started off in that business and then he kind of 
did other things. Uh, I'm, I'm elbow deep in a barbecue, so I feel like... Gotcha. Maybe. Yeah, well, obviously we're here to talk about how you got into barbecue, so... <laughs> nice. Obviously that started in Alabama. Yeah. Like, can yeah. you tell me a little bit about your Well, experience? you know... Uh, I'm, I consider myself from Birmingham, Alabama. I've lived there pretty much all my, my early life. The, the funny thing about me and food, which is I didn't realize how much it impacted me, but my folks, um, we actually had our grandmother live with us. And uh, while both my parents worked, my grandmother kind of raised us. So we had a lot of Korean food in the house. She just handmade everything. And this is before there were like Korean grocery stores and yeah. places where you can get those ingredients. She just, she would like slice eggplant and dry them out on a on, on newspaper and you know so I, I i was around her a lot you know making things and but the funny thing is like i, I really didn't I, I don't recall ever liking korean food very much yeah i was just i wanted to eat what all my friends were eating yeah sure you know like that just makes sense. you know i don't know meat and potatoes jacks and, yeah hamburgers <laughs> exactly crispy cream yeah or something. Well, i yeah. forget all the birmingham kind of yeah things yeah so uh I, I was always more interested in these other things. I mean, I, I grew to like some some Korean food, like like Korean barbecue, short uh, short ribs and that kind of thing. But um, I was a very picky eater, and I didn't eat a whole lot. And uh, there was a, a a moment in I can't remember what grade I was, but I think I was about seven or eight years old. My someone a school was coming door to door to do some kind of fundraiser, and it was a very like common thing to like to sell barbecue dinners like plate uh, what do you call it? like those uh in those styrofoam containers yeah yeah and they would sell those they would take pre-orders to sell those and then and then you know they would uh and uh when when the food came um apparently i i ate everything yeah i, I licked the the styrofoam <laughs> yeah. clean and my yeah. mom just being thrilled with the fact that like i was eating something or i liked something that much because yeah. I, I was never one to finish my plate she she took notice of that and so that kind of became part of our, I don't know, well, routine. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. It was gotcha. something that she knew that yeah. I liked, and, and she would periodically take us to eat barbecue, nice. and I loved it. Yeah. Do you remember having like a favorite uh, shop or something <clears throat> that was kind of well known in Birmingham oh, or yeah. in your neighborhood? At well, least? it was kind of funny because I mean, I was no connoisseur at the time. I just sure. ate anything with barbecue sauce. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, it was. Uh, I remember this. Uh, there was a place in, in near your school. You went to Shades Valley, right? Yeah, we went yeah. in Homewood, yeah. which is right next door. There was a place called Dimitri's Barbecue. Oh, we I used there. to eat there all the time. We, we ate there well. quite frequently. And if you remember, their coleslaw didn't have mayo in it. Yeah, it, it was yep. it was like raw cabbage sliced really thin with this kind of vinaigrette dressing. It was essentially hijacked Greek dressing. This is like the history of all this stuff. I didn't really notice till I didn't learn this until much later in life. But all those guys are Greeks. I mean, just yeah, the name Dimitri's. Yeah, it's a very yeah. Greek yeah. name, and yeah. there were a lot of. A lot of uh, uh, immigrants. Yeah, Greek uh, and Lebanese. Greek and Lebanese in yeah. Birmingham. Right, and, and they a lot were, of food came out of that. Yes, a lot. They were. They had the delis. They had a lot of uh, just just a lot of food. Right, a lot of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they did everything. Right. Yeah. And so I think their influence permeated into a lot of like southern cuisine, such yeah. as the col- the slaw on the raw, and, and that type of stuff. Um, well. I'll just add this, like I hate mayonnaise. I always have my whole oh, life. Really? And so that was the only place I could eat coleslaw. Yeah. I, I didn't even eat my own mother's coleslaw because it had mayonnaise wow. in it. But I would go to Dimitri's and I could handle it. That, that's so, exactly yeah. the reason why I think, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think I liked mayonnaise when I was a kid. Yeah. I do now. 
but yeah, that was don't. one of the reasons. <laughs> you yeah. still don't. <laughs> yeah. So I was happy to see your uh, raw in, in, the, <laughs> sweet, in the raw. Up sweet, there. Yeah. sweet. Yeah. The other one I also have fond memories of is uh, a place called Top Hat Barbecue. But this was not in Birmingham. It was north in, in Coleman County. And uh, the reason we would go that far out is because uh, we would, <laughs> my sister and I took violin lessons from this guy who no was way. based out of Coleman. And we would go there every Saturday. And on the way back home, we would stop by Top Hat Barbecue. Nice. And yep. it was. Uh, I don't remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it, I mean, it's out in the country, you know? Yeah. So, we yeah. would go there and eat there a lot. So tell me about you know, the first time you decided to cook it yourself. Ah. And then maybe how that became a desire to make money off of it or do it as a business. Maybe oh. you cooked it at home first, then just yeah, for fun? You know, I had that experience where I, I tried, I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, I remember in college, I, I tried a couple times and it was awful. I didn't, you know, I didn't know you had to cook it for a really long time and yeah. what temperature. I didn't own a thermometer, you know. and. Uh, you know, I had a few incidents like that were just crash and burn. I think it was when I left the South. Um, I lived after Birmingham. I lived in Atlanta for some time, went to school there. I moved to New Jersey and New York, and I lived there. And that's when I started to really crave it. I was yeah. seeking barbecue restaurants, but I just couldn't. You know, at that time, there's a huge barbecue scene now in New York. But at that time, it, there really wasn't. And, um, I guess that was the beginning of the craving. And then I eventually moved to, um, where did I? I moved to L.A., and I happened to have this apartment that had a rooftop and, and, and a kind of a terrace, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna try my hand at this because yep. it was if it was hard to find in New York, it was impossible to find in L.A. You yeah, know, at least my style, yeah. the Alabama style with that vinegary tart kind of barbecue exactly. sauce. Yeah. So I started trying then, and uh, with a lot of failures and some successes, and then just kept practicing. And my obsessive nature just, you know, really got into it, and I think it kind of coincided with the time that I was making a career change in, in, in while I was living in LA. And uh, I had just left my job and I was thinking of uh, maybe taking a trip to Korea. Yeah. And uh, this is when I was kind of teetering between like, I want to do this barbecue business in, in LA, but I have no money. And uh, I was thinking, let's start small and try to do farmer's markets and local, local places. If I could just get these little gigs, yeah. convince them to let me in, then I, I think I could be good. But it was right then that a friend of mine had moved to Korea and told me, Linus, let's work on a let's work on a project together, like a food media project. Yep. And uh, I said, okay, I'll, I'll I'll give a couple months. I came out here. Um, I don't know why, but I had a hunch that I'd probably want to try it out here. Like I, I didn't know I was gonna make a business out of it, but I I brought my sauces and some of my gear. Yeah, yeah. And uh, an opportunity came up where I was able to uh, make some barbecue for like a like an event, and. Uh, the the response was really electric. Nice. The the Americans that came and tasted it, they were you know they they hadn't had barbecue in so long, uh, they were just really like hungry for it. And the, and the Koreans who tasted it, they couldn't believe it was pork. They thought they, they didn't know what kind of meat it was. And I think it's just uh, it, I think it was almost unbelievable to them that somebody would cook something for longer than you know cook yeah. it for yeah. you know, twelve hours yeah. you know for yeah. a really really long time. So um, I just really sense that there was an opportunity here so i decided to stay very cool yeah, yeah. well yeah. just to back up a little bit what was your career be that you said you made a career change there was a lot of <laughs> things but the immediate career before the whole barbecue thing came i was in la working for a company that uh i was actually a contract an independent contractor uh -huh. that reviewed did technical reviews for films 
Okay. It, it, Interesting. If you want to boil it down, I did. Yeah. I did uh, quality assurance uh, watching movies. I watched a lot of movies for like MGM and 20th Century Fox, and and uh, I just search for like video errors and audio it's really, really? like I, I know it sounds like boring stuff but not really at the, at the time cool. it was kind of a dream job because like you you mean you're gonna pay me to watch yeah. movies that and, sounds and, pretty cool and well, it what was did, a good time to get out yeah. what did you study in university oh or? my god um i studied a lot of i changed my major like half a dozen times um i did end up with a a, a, a majoring in finance <laughs> i could probably couldn't do much <laughs> you know yeah. but I, you know I, there was a time where i was trying to you know get on wall street and everything yeah which is you know if anybody knows me that I'm, I'm not that guy i'm so not that, that well kind of guy, you, you know? don't know this but here's the great irony is i changed majors like 20 times too oh yeah but i never studied finance but now i work in finance get <laughs> yes i work at a bank in hong kong oh and yeah i do financial editing so I don't have a finance background per se, but yeah. I work with financial analysts and wow. you know the sales department and yeah. equity research and all that <laughs> stuff. So it's really crazy. And like you said, like none of my friends. I mean, it doesn't suit me at all. Yeah, actually, yeah, my yeah. personality. I don't like <laughs> hang out with anybody at work because I don't like talking about finance. Right, right. But you know, Koreans always say it's so pango. It's so nice to meet somebody from back home. You know. And yeah, I, yeah. I definitely. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It, it's a it's a kind of a prejudice and everything, but it's always good to meet somebody. Yeah, who, I agree. Who knows you know a little yeah. bit about what you know where I came from, your experience and, yeah, growing yeah. up and all that. Right. So um, <laughs> back to the barbecue. So you you did an event, but then I I seem to remember you were doing some pop ups or something. That's I did. Kinda, you segued from events to a pop up truck. Yeah, I was. Uh, you know, I'm naturally believe it or not, like um, I don't know. Like I think there are might be some people who think that I'm a bit of a gambler. In that way like I'm a little spontaneous and whatever and maybe that's true to some extent um, really it's just ADD but like yeah but I'm actually quite risk-averse and so when I wanted to do the barbecue I really had I was very vocal about having no interest in opening a restaurant um, I just wanted to do the part that I wanted to do which yeah. is the cooking yeah I just wanted to cook it and I wanted to be obsessed in how to do it and the technique and get a perfect product and yeah. just be proud of it and then show other people and go hey look what i made you know why don't you taste it and they'll like yeah. see their faces too yeah and then just i don't know like i always wanted to be good at one thing I, I felt like i jumped around from job to job and done so many different things under the sun that i was never quite good at one thing and it was something i'd always wanted and this is uh, describing me oh really? much. <laughs> yeah. 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 but you know like uh but to be honest there was nothing that like held my interest long enough and i was kind of barking up so many different so many wrong trees that way is just you know like oh. I, yeah like i was believe it or not even while i was doing this job in la with with that i mean i love movies and film but i still wanted to the whole reason i moved to la was because i was thinking about going to acupuncture school oh yeah yeah wow, you study chinese, all over the, yeah all study over the chinese pool. medicine yeah. and that kind of thing and um i did real estate in new york city you know yeah. it was really yeah insane you interesting know? really soul-sucking stuff you know yeah and, and well uh, acupuncture could be good you know you're healing people and yeah, yeah that's well, that's about one of the more spiritual ones i oh, think yeah, you've yeah. mentioned so far that, that's i think that was the uh, the ideal that i had when i actually got to la um maybe this is the add but my attention was diverted toward like this hey i get to watch you know films for a living so yeah. I was gonna do that, and then I'm in Hollywood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hollywood. And everybody around me was doing something like that. Yeah. These things that wouldn't, these jobs that wouldn't exist anywhere outside of Hollywood. But you know, so we had these, these, these gigs. Um, but the plan was to 
go to night school or you know do work on the side and then and then attend school and get my degree in this and you know become an acupuncturist but it just didn't work out that way like um, the more that I seriously delved into it the commitment was so scary and I was never good at like like biological sciences and that kind of thing which sounds like really nuts but of course you're gonna have to be good at biological yeah, science, yeah, you yeah, know right. but um, Healthcare, you know, at the time was even more messed than it was now. And they didn't, um, a lot of insurance companies, they run the whole industry, so they didn't want to, uh, Right. they didn't support Honor. acupuncture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of students, the trend was, people who were interested in Chinese medicine, and these alternative medicines, were actually double degreeing and getting, uh, becoming uh, chiropractors. And, and I, I had nothing against chiropractors, but I didn't want to study it. Right. That would have been my main, and I would have been studying yeah, like yeah. acupuncture on the side. And then, and then, in order to get to this thing that you really wanted to do, you had to, you know, take this detour, and it just didn't feel right to me. And I was actually yep. a little bit in the dumps about that. I, I just, it, it just didn't feel right, you mm-hmm. know. So I was very, uh, I guess, stuck at, at this weird crossroads when the yeah. barbecue happened. Yeah. And I decided to come to Korea. Yeah. Well, you know. Um, I remember the first I think I ever heard about you or your barbecue in in Seoul was when somebody said, "Oh, Linus from Alabama is going to open his first restaurant, but he's been doing these pop-ups." And I, I was just surprised I had never heard of your pop-ups. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I think you know what it might have been Mike Sawyer. Do you know Mike? Oh yeah, no? I know Mike. I yeah. like Mike. He stops by here every once in a while. Yeah. But so he told me you were going to open a restaurant, and I had no idea that you even had the pop-ups or whatever. So then, ha- what what made you just like? you know, make the bite jump. the bullet and make the jump. Yeah. Oh, well, this is really funny. So I was mentioning before, like, I was really against the idea of a restaurant. The the catalyst for the pop-ups really was, okay, there's this bar right next door to me, like like a block away. I'm going to I'm going to borrow their their space for 4 hours this one evening. And I'm going to I'm going to make pulled pork sandwiches the way they were meant to be eaten, and I'm going to invite all the all the the I didn't have a whole lot of clients. I only had like 4 restaurants that I supplied to. I was going to invite all their chefs and the people to come and eat it the way it was meant. And in the meanwhile, I'm going to invite everybody I know. Yeah. Hopefully they'll tell other people they know. So I sent a few, you know, a few uh, invites out and it just got insane. I saw, I remember looking at the Facebook uh, invitation and it, it ticked up to like 800 people invited. I freaked out. I, I mean, I don't know that many people. I think I sent out like maybe 30 invites. That's and, crazy. And it just yeah. kind of spread like wildfire. And um, in fact, I was really upset with Facebook at the time. I wanted to shut down my account because I just didn't like, I, I liked, I didn't like that. The you way know, it spread? Without, yeah, the way it, well, not, not, not with that. Just, just the, it, it was nice when, when you first started Facebook and, and you had like 30 friends or 50 friends. Yeah. And you could say whatever you wanted without being judged you. Yeah. Yeah, all that much. It is. And anyway, that that was a, uh, you know, a weird detour. But um, so we did, the first one kind of went gangbusters. I, I ran out of food, and and uh, this experiment turned into more experiments, and I just kept going. I did that for like two years. In the meanwhile, I was like saving up a little money just to pay my rent. My rent wasn't very expensive, and then I was saving enough money to like get a, a flight back home, and then try to chase down these like barbecue masters and train with them or just get them to like teach me something or just say just meet them you know and uh i was pretty aggressive about that for the for the next couple of years and i learned a couple of things and uh after i got back every time people were just uh when are you gonna open a restaurant 
something inside me knew that that was possibly an inevitability. Yeah. And uh, I considered it, but I didn't want to do those other things that I didn't like about any kind of business, like yeah. doing the bookkeeping. Oh man, I know stress in, that goes with that. I yeah, can't, I yeah, can't even imagine. handling employees and yeah. permits and, and that type of thing. Yeah, oh yeah, I so, can't even imagine. I was that's kind of one of the things I was going to touch on eventually, <laughs> like some of the challenges that yeah. once you did it. Yeah. What are some just the harder things that were challenging about opening a business in a foreign country? Oh my God, it was. Um, I don't know where to begin, but like one of the biggest challenges is uh, it's just finding a place to rent, like commercial commercial leases. Yeah. Um, Korea is a very odd place for how anything works real estate wise. Not, you know, in any uh, in in the states, it's kind of like you put down a deposit. A big deposit might be like a, a month's worth of rent, maybe two months, you know, mm-hmm, in a crazy right. place like New York. Yeah. Here, it's like yeah. thousands of dollars. Like yeah. you, you know, you, you put up- 10, 20 yeah, or more. Yeah, and that's yeah. normal. And then you pay, you know, a, a nominal rent. I mean, the good thing is like, once you put down that huge deposit, your rent is pretty manageable, yeah. right? But you gotta you, come up with that. You gotta come up with that deposit huge first. nut, nut yeah. you know, of, of, of money. And, uh, yeah. but in addition to that commercial real estate, especially for restaurants, they have something called Kualigam here. And Kualigam is like premium. I mean, that's the goodwill, best. Goodwill, I think, was goodwill. a term I've heard used. Goodwill yeah. is the closest thing you can come with. Yeah. Now, in the States, goodwill, just because I, you're in the finance world too, right? You take over another business, then um, for whatever reason, if you, if you end up paying goodwill to a, a previously existing business, that's like just paying for who knows. Like, yeah, yeah. It's not, you don't even know. It may be some of the fixtures there, a couple of appliances that yeah. might exist that you're going to yeah. keep that they just want to give to you. Um, that's the goodwill. It, it, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's still a reasonable thing here. Yeah. A goodwill, goodwill has turned into that to like, uh, let's say that that spot that that former businesses was a was like on a street corner that was really busy yeah, or right. something, yeah. or there was a famous uh, uh, dumping place there yeah. previously. So reputation and. There's so many, yeah, so many factors, but probably feng shui. Feng shui, something. who knows? I guess you it know? probably is. Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, it's any reason under the sun they can come up with, but whatever it is, it's always going to be some, some obscene amount of money, and um, it's really more or less a bribe to get the guy to come, to move out so you can move in. Yeah, and it's become speculative. Uh, so we contact this guy. We're like, hey, uh, let, let us rent from you. You know, we'll we'll. We need a space. It happens to be right adjacent to our lot, and it got really complicated because he's been in intimidating the hood. a little bit. He's a little intimidating. Yeah. He's been in the hood for for his entire life. He knows yeah. people. Yeah, actually, everybody who has a building in that area knows people, especially in the in the local office. Right. He had this long-standing feud with the building owner that I was already renting from. They they just despise each other, right? And. The, what the complication came was, well, I now I'm renting from two feuding families, and it got really complicated. But I, I ended up having to pay a toll fee. I was being extorted for a toll fee just to be able to pass, walk from one plot of land to the next. Yeah, and and so I, to this day, I, I still pay. That's like, wow. Weird, yeah, yeah. To, you know, you got to pay to play. And, and yeah, it, you know, in the end, when you really think about it, it's like. Um, if, if the business that you gain from those additional seats does help your business overall, it, you don't mind end up paying the, that little fee. Yeah. It yeah. Ends, but yeah, yeah. It becomes worth it. In the end, it's worth it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so now I'm sitting here in your brand new second restaurant. <laughs> yeah. So that's congratulations on that. 
Thank you. I opened very quietly. I didn't announce it. I just uh, opened the doors, literally, yeah. and let anyone from the street just mosey in. Yeah. Because you just really need to give your staff time to practice making mistakes. It's inevitable. So I wanted to, them to screw up quietly rather than screw yeah. up very loudly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> well, how many people moseyed in that first night? It's uh, quite a few. Uh, I mean, it, it's been kind of a, like a steady trickle in, you know, ever yeah. since. And, uh, you know, I, I officially opened last weekend and we're still making mistakes. Like today, yeah. like our deep fryer went down and um, the sausage doesn't taste right. And uh, you were telling me a little bit earlier, but like, who are your customers? Are you finding more Westerners or more Koreans or equal or? That's a good question. When I opened the first uh, shop in the beginning, um, you know, I did have that, since I've been operating pop-ups for like two and a half years, um, my customer base was entirely foreigner, the foreign community. And um, um, that was, I guess, my strategy since I was in the ETA one, that they came and they supported me. Over Somehow things flipped around. Um, now we're predominantly, I, and I know specifically number-wise, because we have this app that counts um, people. Um, and I can just tell from the names that we're like 90% Korean now, like Korean wow. nationals and like maybe 10% wow. foreigners. And well, today I noticed it was mostly local uh, yes. Korean customers when I was here. Eating. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I saw one or two foreigners, I think, Westerners. Oh, okay. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag, yeah. just, you know, when, yeah. whenever, um, you know, depending on what day of the week. It is a Saturday, so there's a lot of people just kind of walking around. Yeah. The, the, well, the, the Korean tourists... Yeah, from outside yep. of Seoul and and within Seoul, come to HPC and Itaewon to kind of Just check to out, explore yeah. the food and the beer <laughs> and the coffee and stuff. Right, right. So um, when they blog about you, you know, food blogging is a big thing in Korea, and it drives, it makes or breaks probably some restaurants. Mm. I know you're doing well with reviews there, but do they do they latch on? Do they uh, mention the Alabama? background or um, they go Alabama Jew you know, <laughs> yeah. when they're so, sometimes they do yeah, sometimes yeah. they do um, I don't know if they know what that means or how yeah. you know effective that is to spe- specify whether we're from Alabama but um, yeah do they use any other you know qualifiers like southern barbecue or just miguk yes yeah American barbecue miguk tongtong uh, something like, I can't yeah, even sell yeah. it right now but yeah, it's yeah. authentic southern, southern. barbecue nice but, um, but this is a kind of a hodgepodge too because I got my barbecue education from all over. Um, when it comes to pulled pork, which is my first love, from Alabama, yeah, that's going to be from Alabama. The sauce is tangy, yeah, and uh, you know my coleslaw, you know, doesn't have mayo, that kind of thing. Yeah. But when it came to like baby back ribs, I mean, I think some of the best baby back ribs in the country come from like St. Louis, you yeah, know? yeah, and the best, uh, some of the kind of hands down, the best beef brisket that comes from the country is from Texas central texas so i learned those styles from from experts of those styles and uh so i'm a bit of a hodgepodge a lot i still identify with alabama but my texas is definitely brisket style i got um, you my baby backs are definitely um my baby backs are definitely uh st louis style okay um yeah yeah, yeah so yeah you, you're kind of covering the range of american yeah uh, I, I want the best of the best this. yeah so sure it's kind of what i like that's cool well, what, what's uh, in the future? Like, you, you see in yourself franchising or opening more stores or selling it for millions of dollars? <laughs> I don't know about that. You know, uh, I have friends of mine who tell me, um, sell out, man, sell out. It, it's, you know, just, you know, cash you it all in. You um, could. But Someday. I have my name on it. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you another secret about myself, uh, which isn't much of a secret now, but like I said, I did so many things under the sun. 
which also means I started a lot of things I didn't finish. You yeah. know, I'm just that guy. Yeah. And uh, this is probably the only time in my life I've ever like been able to somewhat follow through on something. And I think I was able to do that because I, I actually love barbecue or the challenge of it. You know, and um, um, I was really um, concerned for myself that this would be another flash in the pan or something that I might quit on. Like this podcast for me might be. <laughs> Who knows, <laughs> it might you be know? my first and last interview. But you might, you might love it. Yeah. You might love it so yeah. much and, and, and really, because the one thing I knew that I was afraid of more than anything else was, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm afraid of public shaming. I mean, let's, let's say it, you know, I'm, I'm afraid of, sure. I think a lot Losing of people want to look good and not want to look, you know, they don't want to look bad. So yeah, I, well, uh, you're looking good so far. I mean, you're getting really good reviews. We saw one that went up today or this morning on oh, Facebook. Really? It was like this long. Whoa. And it was it was like very positive. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> that's that's a relief. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so I think you're in for in for a long haul maybe. Yeah. I, I definitely If yeah. you're going by that. Yeah. Feedback. Well, I, I put my name on it. I yeah, I, I yeah. think people might that's think that big. it was an ego thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it feels good to have my name on something like this, but the 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 real uh, meat of it is that I knew that I would be afraid to fail with my name on it. Yeah, you would work it, all it, that. Like much the fear yeah. would override everything else. It would get me Good up point. at five o'clock in the morning and and yeah, force myself to get to work because. I'm afraid of looking Nice bad. little trick there. That's yeah. good. Maybe I'll call this the Brandon Butler podcast. Yeah, maybe you should. Yeah, maybe you should. <laughs> Some people did actually recommend that. Yeah. Um, they Somebody, a good friend who I'm meeting later, he said, you should call it uh, Six Degrees of Brandon Butler. Why not? You know, and, well, I might. I, I, yeah. I do love it. I mean, if you put your name to it, uh, I, don't, I don't know what motivates you. Um, a lot of things motivate me, but, or, and I know, believe it or not, like money really doesn't. Right. Yeah. Like I mean, it's good. I like it. Yeah. I like money. I yeah. like spending it. But yeah. for some reason, I've I've failed at things where the you know where the carrot at the end of the stick was you know a good wad of cash that I really really needed. Yeah. And I would still fail myself. It just wasn't enough to push me through those well, hard times. Yeah. But fear of looking bad yeah, <laughs> really yeah. did. Yeah. It really works for me. That's I think cool. that's the Catholic shaming yeah. and the Korean yeah, there you thing. Go. The John shaming. Carroll, you yeah. learned one thing at John Carroll at least. <laughs> yeah, so you know that that's one thing for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, very cool. Well, this has been really fun. Okay, I guess let's wrap it up. <laughs> okay. And I'm just gonna hit pause here. Okay, a little interjection here. Linus was my fir- very first interview. And I flew over to Korea from Hong Kong to do that. And then I never could get that, I never could get an episode off the ground. So I ended up quitting my job and starting to travel to work on the podcast more before I ever finished Linus's episode. So I went back to see Linus a second time just to see if anything had changed. And we talked a little bit about some of the recipes that he's serving and dishes, like the stupid burger with a deep fried mac and cheese bun. And we talked about my state of homelessness at the time. Linus. Okay. Good to see you, man. Oh, it's not too bad. It's been like half a year almost. Yeah, I, I know. How's, how's uh, everything been with, uh, I don't know, Hong Kong? Hong Kong's been great. You know, I quit my job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. got sick of it. I, 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 I saw the posts and you seemed so liberated. Like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to offer something to drink. I would love a tea. Yeah. No, an Alabama thing right. I haven't had forever. With, with booze or without? No booze. Okay. <laughs> too early. <laughs> do you use Lipton or? Uh, we, we do. We oh, use nice. Lipton. I would use, I would use Louisiana. Or if I could, Red Diamond. Okay. Get Red Diamond. You know, when I was a kid, 
it was kind of blasphemous to use Louisiana. Like, I don't know. It was like there Louisiana? was it was like Coke versus Pepsi, yeah, right? Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. Lipton versus Louisiana. Or... I remember the commercials. Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I just wanted to stop by because you know I wanted to just ask you a few follow-up questions, like how things are going. Number one mind blown because the last time I was here and this was way before the interview oh, at none your of this new was store, here right uh, this was outside like yeah. you, you've expanded so much we're still under construction you can see like panels up there if, if we walk behind that panel yeah we there's just this cavern this basement yeah. that had just been the demolished kitchen. and well what's going on with the new store <coughs> that just opened when I got there is it like yeah, gangbusters right. and I have to say it hasn't been gangbusters but um, that a little, a little bit by design. I, okay. I only yeah. just announced on Facebook, hey, there might be a place. And, yeah. yeah. And I haven't told any of my customers here. Yeah. Whatever. I've actually been waiting for spring. Every time I yeah. try to introduce something cool like catfish or, you know, like, uh, God, there was a number of other things like collard greens, something called a stupid burger, where I had like a, a deep fried mac and cheese bun. Yeah, with pulled pork. I mean, just like little weird yeah. things. I, I've been wanting to do pork steak and pork chops for a yeah. while, and um, all these other like well, southern food things that are not barbecue, and uh, they just don't sell. It's really hard, and, and that's the, funny. Yeah, and it's kind of like a little maybe my my I don't know what to, what to call it, but like my love letter to to southern food or anything. And, and I want to I want to begin to try new things. Hence the yeah. chicken and the sausage and. Um, and a few, and quite a few other things that I want to do. Cool. Burnt ends, and you know, from my travels around around the states. And the, yeah. yeah. Have you tried to Koreanize anything to, to um, get a little bigger draw? Like I, I don't think I've done I've, stuff. I haven't Koreanized anything uh, flavor-wise. Um, maybe the most I could say is like adding. I definitely my condiments are jalapenos and pickles. I, I yeah. offer that at a table, and maybe yeah. you won't see that much. Uh, no, no, actually, I, I see that in Texas places too. You know, yeah. they'll, they'll put yeah. jalapenos and pickles on the on the platter as well. But yeah, um, it's probably very imperative that to have that here. Yeah, option yeah. In Korea because Funny it is. Yeah, I was gonna ask about that jokingly, but yeah, you're right. I mean, but especially the thing that makes it really Korean would be like sweet pickles. They love those sweet pickles. Oh, I'm against sweet. Pickles. Don't be offended. I ate at one of your competitors yesterday. Oh, please. Yeah. <laughs> but it was actually just kind of a... I had, um, I had a lunch appointment with a Japanese professor, colleague of mine at home. Sure. We were walking around looking. We were looking for some Italian or something. But we saw that Austin's. Oh, okay. And I had never, never heard of it before. But it just was right there. And we are like, all right, let's do this. You know what's funny? I'll, I'll, I'll give this to them. Austin's actually opened before us. Oh, wow. Okay. A good year. Actually, there was a couple barbecue places that opened before us. But... They didn't do it like I did it. You know, I'm, I'm actually encouraged by like uh, the fact that there are barbecue places around. Um, it makes me confident that barbecue is something that's going to stay. Exactly. We did just start our packaged goods. Um, we sell our ribs online. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, oh, so yeah. Little side note, when Linus was experimenting with some ways to package his barbecue to sell outside the restaurants, one of the uh, one of the ways was to uh, deep freeze some ribs, and our mutual friend had just recently been in Korea, where he bought seven kilograms of those frozen ribs and wanted to take them back to Hong Kong. So this next little part is about our friend smuggling seven kilograms of frozen Southern-style barbecue ribs from South Korea into Hong Kong. I think in his carry-on luggage. Scored a yeah. nice little <laughs> takeaway from your your yeah. smoking. 
experiment or whatever you're uh, yeah that sounded like he was so excited he was just like he couldn't stop talking about it and like you know he told me all about it and then the next day I guess he forgot he had already told me all about it the night before oh, he told yeah. me all about it again <laughs> he, he was so excited that's funny <laughs> I gotta ask him because he was worried about the you know airport and getting them there it was a, it was a really and all yeah stuff. it was a really tricky thing yeah I wasn't confident that he'd be able to get it through his carry-on Custom luggage thing, or something yeah. but yeah. He, he did manage to get it so I'm yeah. happy I wish I was still living in uh, Hong Kong and Muiwo with him, and I'd be eating some of your, some of your ribs. Wait, wait, wait! Do you live here now? No, I'm, I'm, I don't live anywhere. You know, I'm actually just, I just gave up my job. I put a few things in storage, Uh and I just hit the road with, with a bunch of one-way tickets. That's pretty romantic. Well, it's kind of fun, you know. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, that's all. I just wanted to pop in. Didn't want to take up a lot of time. Okay. Good to see you, man. Special thanks to Light Organ Records for letting me use the tunes in all of these episodes. Thanks to Misha Stefanik and Valentino Avignoni for contributing some of their music to Rutabaga. And you can always check out rutabaga.org for details on the songs you hear in these episodes. Thanks to Wendy Tinnery for all of her early work and support of Rutabaga. And of course, you listeners. It will be a huge help if you like this podcast to leave a review wherever you're listening to Rutabaga and share the podcast and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and other social media. Look for new episodes about every two weeks. Links to everything are easily found over at rutabaga.org. That's R-O-O-T-A-B-A-G-A dot org. It's Brandon's podcast, so you gotta listen in.